Hey guys, and welcome to Fatherhood. You are listening to the Dads Group Podcast, a place where you and I get to connect with incredible leaders, shape the future of fatherhood together, and dig deeper into what is happening inside the minds and hearts of new and expecting fathers. Today, we'll be hearing from Dads Group legend, Adam Burns, who will be sharing with us how his relationship with his dad impacted him, but did not define his own fatherhood journey. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands we all meet on today. I'd like to pay respect to elders past, present and emerging in any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people we have listening to this episode today. But awesome to have you guys listening in today. With me, I have Adam Burns. Um, how are you going, Adam? Good to have you, yeah. dude. Yeah, good to be here with you, Blair. Um, this is, this is awesome, mate. I'm, I'm really pumped about this episode, dude. Adam and I uh, got to know each other oh, a couple of months ago now. Um, I've known Adam through... So Adam's a part of Dads of Ashgrove up in Queensland. Adam reached... Uh, Adam. Adam. <laughs> that's that's what I think like, my dad name should be Dadam, not just Adam. Yeah, that's wife. awesome. Yeah, it was meant to be. Uh, Adam reached out to us on our website and was just sharing about how, you know, he loved the things that dad's group was on about and working on and he wanted to be a part of it. And since then, Adam and I have caught up and Adam's just been a part of the team. Um, Our awesome social media stuff, well, some of it is done by Adam. He's creating that content and, and putting that up for us, which has been fantastic and greatly appreciated. But other than the practical work, just having that guy that I get to catch up with weekly, Adam and I, we catch up weekly, mate. And I love our chats. Like, you know, we talk about we talk about social media and the things that need to be done, but I just love our fatherhood chats and just the banter, but also just the encouragement that we both bring for each other, which has been really exciting. So I love that we get to do this now um, for others to hear your story, um, which is, was really um, encouraging for me. But um, before I keep rambling, mate, tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us about your family. Yeah, mate. So uh, as you said, based here in Brisbane, part of the Dads of Ashgrove group, uh, live uh, with my wife. Uh, we've been married for seven years now. Um, known each other for like 10 years, but yeah, um, seven years now is uh, uh, in marriage. And uh, we've got one little boy uh, who's about to turn one next week, which just blows my mind. Where, where is this time going? I'm sure. So quick. <laughs> Lots of dads can relate to that. Like, yeah, it's grow so quick, don't they? Um, but yeah, so it's just us, our, our little family at the moment. And yeah, we're just loving life with each other um yeah just enjoying this this time that we have trying to make the most of these precious moments we have with our little ones so yeah, yeah man and how long have you been a part of dads of ashgrove for uh, i actually went to my first dads of ashgrove catch up um when we were still pregnant um yeah. I did research into you know uh, fatherhood stuff and and how can i you know really set myself up to be a good dad and i came across dad's group and so I just went along to one of the catch-ups, free coffee. And uh, it was a bit funny being the only guy there without a baby. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was a bit awkward, but it was good. Like just um, hearing from the other blokes um, about what their fatherhood journeys were and, and particularly in those early days and, and giving me advice and, and some, um, yeah, I guess direction for how to be most helpful, particularly during the delivery. So that was always yeah. a, a great um, resource, but yeah, and then um, really connected back in with the group the start of this year. Um, yeah, right. So, yeah, catching up with the dads there and, um, you know, trying to get there when I can, uh, when work and, and 
you know, just having a little one-year-old obviously plans don't always yeah. go um, as you as you hope. So yeah. yeah, try and get there as much as I can and um, connect. But you're you're a part of like, are you part of the leadership team on that on that group or just the Facebook admin side of things? Uh, I I got added to the Facebook admin side of things just recently. Yeah, um, yeah, sweet. Way into that one. So <laughs> no, it's good, man. Because I've, I've seen I'm a part of the Ashbrook uh, Dad of Ashbrook Ashgrove Facebook group, and I see that you're active on there, and that's fantastic too. Because that's a I love that because a lot of new dads that join these things, and and for our listener, if you're a part of a Facebook group, like get active on your Facebook group because that helps people feel engaged and get to know people, and it helps people go from hearing about dad's group to joining your Facebook group to actually attending. Um, so I really want to encourage our listener to be able to do that. Um, but that's awesome, man. I love that. Um, I love what you're up to there. Um, but let us uh, share with us, mate, what do you do for work? Yeah, so I'm what's called a youth minister and I work within the Catholic school system. Um, probably um, some dads might be familiar with like pastors, youth pastors or chaplains even. So very similar to that. But um, essentially the core of my work is within these Catholic schools with our, our students is helping them to articulate life, meaning and purpose as they go through their journey through school and then out of school. So really trying to set them up. Um, and inspire them with with hope for a future yeah yeah that's awesome dude and this is a big one this is a big question I've given you time to think about this um, beforehand <laughs> I prepped you with this one but yeah. what is something that you were expecting about fatherhood that didn't happen or didn't happen in the way that you were expecting yeah I think the piece of advice that I got probably most when we were um, expecting our little one to come was that you'll never love anyone else like you'll love that child when they're born um, yeah. you never experience that love within you for someone else exactly like that ever again and, and that definitely was true but what I wasn't expecting was the the flip of that that I would never feel loved like I do by my son and even you know from those first moments of you know him just cuddling in and um, you know, those contact naps back in the early days. And yeah. uh, even now, like, he, you know, his first word was dada um, and him just running and, and giving me a big hug. Like just, um, yeah, um, you sort of feel a bit like you don't deserve it. <laughs> um, but it, it's just that it, it, it's, it's pure love, isn't it? Like he, you know, there's no judgment. There's no, oh, you mucked that up this morning so i'm not going to talk to you well at least yeah that stage hasn't come yet but <laughs> i'm just lapping it up hey like just didn't yeah. expect to, to yeah um be you know he's the apple of my eye but for me to be the apple of his eye as well i guess so yeah it's so cool man i love those feelings um just with the kids and yeah man like we're like we i think you know we're expecting our fourth now yeah, yeah which yeah. is which is it's crazy yep there's accurate words but it's just like you know I look back um because my youngest is three now and I look back and I'm like uh you know it's, we're crazy going to four but those early years man like it's so special dude they are so special and so are like my three four five year olds as well there's those moments yeah. are special too but that newborn stage and that first year stage is just so beautiful dude yeah. so yeah that's really cool but as I, as I mentioned earlier, Adam and I catch up, um, well, weekly. We haven't seen each other for a few weeks now because <laughs> yeah. you know, we've been taking interns, going on holidays and being busy with different things. But um, we've shared a bit about each other's journeys and, 
And I'm really thankful for Adam coming on on this episode and sharing his because it's a, it's a big one. It's a big topic and it's a relevant topic to a lot of different dads. And that's the area of mental health um, and how that affects our parenting. But also, as I said in my intro as well, it's about our relationships with our dads and how that impacts us and or has impacted us, but how it doesn't define or it doesn't have to define the way that it impacts our kids if that makes sense, through our parenting. So I'm really thankful for, for you um, just being vulnerable today, Adam. It's, it's a massive one. But first thing I wanted to ask you, I want to go straight into this space now, is um, like with your wrestles with mental health, um, did this start before having kids or after? Yeah, so Blair, definitely it started for me um, way before um, we, we had our son. Um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, uh, coming up seven years ago now, um, but probably probably before that even, um, I struggled with that um, depression, anxiety without even realizing it or without acknowledging it. Um, there's a lot of mental mental health in my family. My dad had depression, anxiety. My brother went through it as well. So um, I think for me there was probably a bit of denial <laughs> that 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 was what was going on for me, um, and and you know just buying into some of those stigmas in our culture and society about, you know, like just pull your socks up and get on with it. Um, and I think for me, you know, I, I, where it really sparked off and I went, wow, something's not right was my plate was just full. I was studying, I was working a couple of jobs and um, it would get to the point at the end of the day, I'd just be passed out on a couch, um, you know, blinds drawn, TV on, eating, you know, junk food and just, just completely disconnected to the world around me, like just trying to escape um, the reality of how busy things were. And um, and even when, um, you know, my schedule cleared up a bit more and, and you know, I was back to one job and finished studying all of that, it just continued. And um, I think, you know, just getting anxious, um, you know, that that tightness in the chest, your heart just racing, trying to catch your breath, um, I get that just going to work, um, you know, and, and not even about anything particular, just about being at work. I just get these, these anxiety attacks. Um, and, you know, I'd find myself having to try and just catch my breath. And, um, and, and it was, I think it was feeling out of control, feeling like I didn't have full control of my body. Um, and that really was the point where I was like, wow, I think I need to, to really seek out more help um yeah. but yeah like those experiences of disassociation of just being completely um blanked out to to my wife and to my friends and and even to to work and just wanting to like it wasn't even vegging it was just disassociating and then mm, escaping yeah, yeah, full-on escapism. And then, you know, to start in the morning, just already chest tight, like, oh, how am I going to do this today um, before I even get to work? So mm. um, I think it was it was the, the back and forth between those experiences and how it made me feel and how it was affecting others around me um, where I was like, I really actually need to, to do something about this. I really need to mm. learn more about this. I need to seek out some help. And finally... Um, worked up the courage um, would be one way of putting it. The other way would be my wife called up and made an appointment with the GP for me, but um, yeah. worked up the <laughs> courage. Whatever gets you there. 
whatever gets you there, that's it. <laughs> and I finally sat down uh, with a GP and talked it through and, and asked questions. And um, that's, I started um, taking antidepressants and um, just really set myself up better um, mm. from that perspective, saw a psychologist, saw a psychiatrist, um, and just really tried to utilize things that are available to us. Um, then I think as, as much as we've changed the stigma around mental health, particularly, you know, around us as guys, um, there's still that stigma, I think, about seeking out help, um, mm. talking about it and being honest about it. Um, and so, yeah, um, the last few years, you know, it really has been a, still a struggle. Um, and, and when we found out we were pregnant, um you know obviously my first reaction was joy but then the next reaction was how am I going to do this like yeah. you know in the mornings I'm a wreck just trying to get myself amped up for work and in the evenings I'm a wreck just trying to you know close off from all of those emotions and mm. um, so I, I really realized the importance of um getting on top of my mental illness because I'd seen it with my dad um him mm. being in mental health issues um so then you know now i'm in that position um and, and what am i going to do to really make sure that i'm turning up for, for my child turning up for my wife turning up for my family and um i think that's where i really realized i needed to to go beyond just okay i'm gonna have an appointment with my psych every time i have a down day or you know doing more than just taking the meds you know getting my diet right getting my exercise right um i've just finished reading a great book actually um called lost connections by johan hari really recommend it um, to anyone who um, experiences mental illness because he talks about how um, medication really serves more as just a baseline or a foundation for you. So you can get all those other pieces into place. And I think that's one of the myths about mental health is that it's all in your head. It's, it's not, it's your whole life. It's your connection to others, connection to our world, connection to what you're doing with work. Um, and so for me, I realized just depending on those antidepressants wasn't gonna get me there. Um, they were a huge help for me, definitely helped me turn a corner, but yeah, to be able to turn up for, for my son now, um, knowing that depression and anxiety will always be there and could always turn up, um, just making sure that I keep connected to my world around me. And, and um, yeah, so um, I think when he was born was, was a huge turnaround moment for me. Um, I probably experienced a bit of postpartum depression as well. Um, and, and there is research that says dads who have experienced um, mental illness more likely more prone to experience postpartum um, depression and I know that when my my son was little um, you know those those crying fits um, you know that loud high-pitched shrill sort of crying that would just set my anxiety off hey and I'd have to sh remove myself because I just couldn't couldn't cope and um, that was something I had to work on of just centering myself and being able to to hold that space for my son. Um, and then, you know, the flip was when I went back to work, I got six weeks off. When I went back to work, I was just gutted to be away from my son and my wife and I was depressed at work. So then I needed to flip it 
and, and get that balance back. So, but yeah, I think um, it's really important for us as, as guys to be honest about the experiences. And even if it's not, you know, depression, anxiety, um, bipolar, whatever, um, just to really be honest about how things affect us and to be able to be honest with other people because um, I just think, you know, particularly as guys, we're not great at it. And the better we get at it, the better we can turn up for others in our lives. That's awesome, man. And and like not your experience, but just your approach to it um, and, and just your response to it now. And then I think the thing is, like you were saying before, like you're still struggling with it, um, mm. but you're continuing, like you're knowing your triggers and you're knowing the point of like, all right, now I need to take this action and stuff like that. So what I wanted to ask though is like, so you're saying when you first started going to see, is when you first went to see your GP, your wife booked you in for mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. we're talking, or you're also mentioning about how difficult it is for guys to get help when we need it or identify that you need help and then get it if, if you then recognize it or if someone else recognizes it, you know. How was that process of you going there? And then you went to your first one and was this something like, I need to do this more and I'm, I'm locked in, like this is the help that I need or was it a continual battle to show up to the help that you needed? It was probably a bit of both, hey, like, that first appointment, um, when my wife called me and said, I've booked you in for the GP, um, you're going to go in and you're going to talk about this stuff with him and and figure out what your next steps are. At first, it was like, why would you do that? Why would you go behind my back? And, you know, like there was there was a bit of a, you know, upset and anger and, you know, like I've got this, like, and then by the time I wound up in, in that waiting room at the GP, like I was like, no, I don't got this. Like, um, and by the time I ended up in the GP's office and I'm just spilling, like, you know, I experienced this, I experienced this, like, and, and I was really fortunate that um, he's a, a, a practitioner that has a focus on mental health and men's mental health. Um, but, you know, I think my advice for any guys, like, you just got to do it. Um, and, and I think most doctors these days, like it's not like in the past where they just write you a script and, and pat you on the back and say good luck. Like it, it, you know, I had a really great conversation with my doc, um, and and he didn't just write me a, a script for antidepressants. He he talked to me about, you know, he he was a father and and you know how do you, you know, turn up and and he talked about being present and he talked. So it wasn't just a medical scientific sort of thing. It was really he met me where I was at um he even prescribed me a book to read and um you know so look I think the conversation is different um and so if you're a a dad or if you're a bloke who has said that you struggle with mental illness like don't be afraid to then take that next step and, and see a doctor or see a psychologist or even just open up to a really good mate someone that you trust um because the conversation actually makes a difference acknowledging it is one thing but then having a conversation around it um, I think for me created a pathway forward um and and I think that was really why my wife pushed me to towards that appointment was for so long I, I could say yes I have anxiety and depression um but just saying it wasn't enough like I wasn't putting in those other pieces um because my system was just burnt out so Having that yeah. conversation with my GP really helped me to find a way forward to not just survive it, um, but but really rise above it when I needed to. 
Yeah, and, and it's it's really important too because like I, I've been to counselling a few years ago now. I went for a, a season where I was really struggling and it was really important for me to understand that I wasn't stupid for what I was feeling. No, no. That was a big weight off my shoulders. I yeah. felt like I was stupid. Um, and the other thing too was like, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy and a lot of guys are the same that I like practical steps to take. And this gave me those practical steps. It's like, you're feeling like this, do this. Or like, these are the ways to prevent that. And, you know, you make, you, you look at the analogy, like even with like going to a gym, you know, mm. lift it this way. If you don't, mm. you're going to break your face off, right? There's instructions <laughs> that you take or you're yep. given um, to, to do things properly to get the results mm. that you're actually looking for. If you just go to the gym and just work out, you know, we've all seen those funny videos, people trying to make up inventions of, you know, the gym because they have no clue what they're doing. It doesn't give you the results that you want. Or even football, you know, kick the football this way because you're going to get this result, um, whatever else. And I'm in Victoria, so obviously I'm talking about AFL, which is the proper football. But anyway, <laughs> but that's <laughs> but that's that's really cool, man. And and I love that. And I love that, you know, you're sticking with this too because I, I don't um, sort of... Um, for me, my journey as a counsellor was for a season and it's given my wife and I, my wife actually went and saw the same counsellor because we're on this journey together and um, it's also helping her to see my triggers too. So we're continually working on this together, but for you as well and all of many other dads, it's like, no, I need this to be a regular thing and I'm going to mm -hmm. book this in. So that's really, really cool, mate. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned as well, you mentioned earlier about your dad having mental health. Uh, he had depression and anxiety as, as well. And do you, so do you think that's obviously a family trait? And if so, how did that affect you, mate? As, as seeing your dad in this way, how did that affect you personally? Yeah. And look, I probably should start by saying that my dad was a great dad. He was a great bloke. Um, so I don't want to bad mouth my dad because um, I love him dearly. Um Look, the, the effect was probably a couple of ways. We we know that there's a hereditary trait um, with mental illness that can get passed on. So there was probably part of that. Um, there was a part of the, just the, what he modelled to me in terms of both his fathering and how he dealt with his mental health. Um, so he was definitely of that generation where you turn up to the doctor, they write you the script, you know, and, and supposedly you get better. But, um, you know, I... I don't know for him what his trigger was. We never talked about it. Uh, I don't know for him what his experience with mental health was. Um, but what it looked like for me in terms of how our relationship was, um, it was just absent um, or distant even. Um, he would often, you know, work hard. And, and it's that, that tension that we as dads experience now of um, we want to allow for our mums to, to spend that time with our bubs. Um, but that means we have to go and do the work. But then if we go and do the work, then we're not as connected as we want to be. Um, but for him and his generation, as most of our fathers were, it was, well, it wasn't even a question. You go to work, you're the breadwinner. Um, and so he would work, he would work a lot. He was a real estate agent. So he was often working weekends. Um, and when he would come home, um, you know, for a season there, he, he was an alcoholic. For a season there, he was a chain smoker. Um, you know, he was just so burnt out from work and because of his mental illness that, that he would just, similar to what I ended up doing, just, you know, being glued to the couch, watching telly, um, not really connecting into what was happening around him. Um, and that disconnect for me as, as I got older, particularly into, you know, like my teen years, 
um, was, well, you don't really know me and you don't really get me or like what I like or appreciate who I am. And, um, you know, I, I played a lot of basketball <laughs> through high school. And so I was always like, oh, come, come watch me play. And he's like, oh, no, I, I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm too anxious to, to drive somewhere I've never been. And by this point, my parents were separated and divorced. So we're only seeing him once a fortnight. And again, he'd be um, stuck to the couch watching television. So there was just a lot of disconnect for me. And it, it got to the point where I was like, well, I don't want to be the sort of dad that does that, that just disconnects and and can't hold a conversation or can't know my child so um but yeah I think for me it, that break in the relationship um started to make me feel invisible it started to make me feel like I wasn't good enough um, that I wasn't worthy that I wasn't a man enough and I think some of those things bubbled under the surface all through my teens, through my 20s, to that point where I had so much on my plate that I just broke. Um, and so I I think, you know, I was probably a bit harsh on my dad. <laughs> um, if, if I had just talked to him about how that made me feel, then then maybe he would have would have changed things. Um, unfortunately, I never got to have that conversation with him. Uh, a few years ago, he was found um, in his unit, uh, passed out with a head wound uh, by his neighbours. Uh, he was rushed to hospital. By the time he got there, he just lost all memory. Um, couldn't couldn't talk um, in in words. He was just sort of making basically like vocalizations. Um, when my brother and I got to the hospital to see him, he didn't know who we were. Um, and yeah, he, he just forgotten everything. So I found myself in this spot where um, I was the only part, you know, like relationships are a two-way street. I was the only part of that relationship um, that remembered um, all of that, that, that he was distant and struggled and, and we could never connect. And, and so I found myself, you know, how do you reconcile something when you can't actually hold that conversation with the other person? Um, and so I had to do a lot of work within myself of, because I wanted to turn up for him uh, when he needed me. I wanted to be that sort of son that, um, you know, shows up and visits him. He, he ended up in a nursing home and, and he continued to, he, he was diagnosed with um, some non-set dementia. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I had to do the work then to, to try and repair that relationship because for him, it was, it was done. Um and then he passed away last April. Um, and so it was another sort of mark of, well, he definitely can't meet you in this. He can't say, I'm sorry, son. I, I always loved you. I didn't mean for you to feel that way. So I had to do that work within myself to go, well, you know, if I, if I, I I'm a dad with mental health now, so I can empathize if I actually you know, try to put myself in his shoes and I can see why that was so hard for him of, you know, maybe his marriage wasn't the way he thought it would work out. Maybe his home life wasn't the way he thought it would work out. Maybe he was, his work wasn't really giving him that sense of fulfillment. And, you know, you put all those pieces together and you go, of course, you were stuck to the couch. And, and you know, the culture wasn't there for you to actually talk this stuff out. Um, 
And yeah, I guess looking back, I can go, well, yeah, you, you had your fair share of stuff to, to try and work through the same as, as I do now. Um, and that just created a lot of acceptance and self-acceptance within myself, but also just acceptance of, you know, uh, as I said, like he was a great dad, like he did his best with what he had. Um, and um, just to accept that, you know, um, he wasn't a bad dad, that we didn't have a bad father-son relationship. And, and I also want to acknowledge like a lot of guys, a lot of people have really rough relationships with their dads and, and some of those are, are irreparable. Um, so, you know, doing that work, that interior work within myself was a big part of setting myself up um, because, you know, my baby, you know, one month old son's having, um, you know, screaming and, and crying out and I'm having anxiety over it. Like, um and and here I am I said that I would never be that sort of dad and and I was so um you know I think it, it was pretty confronting for me and and I realized um that I needed to deal with that stuff um and, and not because I didn't want to be like my dad but because I wanted to be a good dad and to honor those those really positive moments I had with him um yeah and, uh, rather rather than that let that shape some sort of negative legacy on my life um that, that I could craft a story around that myself so um yeah so it was about I guess uh, coming to a point where I could say yeah that impacted me but it doesn't have to define who I am today and it doesn't have to define who I am as a dad yeah definitely and I really appreciate the way that you've approached this conversation like you still you know through wrestles with your dad, you still show him respect to him. You know what I mean? And, and, and I really, really appreciate that, mate. So I just want to thank you for doing that. So we don't want to have a, a dad bashing session. No, um, no. This is about you and, and your response to that. And, and so I really appreciate that because like, you know, and, and I know some, even dads my age with young kids, I know some terrible dads, like they just really are not doing well by their kids, but, because I know them, I know so much behind the scenes too. And I, I've never met a dad that never thought they would be the best dad ever or wanted to be, mm. you know, to their kids. And so, you know, we don't excuse bad behavior. We don't excuse those things. But again, just your response to that is really encouraging for me. So thank you for doing that, mate. And yeah, that just sounds so rough, dude. And and um, so what I want to yeah ask now is like, so you just said then, your relationship with your dad or your dad's struggles does not define who you are as a dad, but yet mm. you're still having similar struggles. You know, how does that not define you? And what are the things that you put in place to help yourself work through that um, yeah. for, for your kid? Yeah, for sure. I think when I was at my worst in my depression, um, was just a complete abandonment of all hope like there's just no way forward through this um you know like even to the point of um having thoughts about ending my life um because i just cannot see a way forward and i think part of that was i can see similarities in myself to where my dad was at at his worst um and i don't want to be that way so what option does that give me if I if that's the only way forward I can see is is that I'm just going to end up like my dad um alone disconnected um then, then what's 
you know, what's the point? And that just continued to fuel that cycle of anxiety, depression, anxiety, depression. So um, I think for me, it was about saying, well, you know, dad didn't have the tools. Again, like the culture at the time when he was a young man, like he didn't talk about mental health. Even, you know, at the time uh, when, when, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, like it wasn't an open discussion. So he didn't have the tools. He didn't have the culture. He didn't have the support, whereas I do. And so I, I had to make that conscious choice of it, it is different. And, I, you know, that's not the only option for me. Um, dad did the best he could, but he didn't have the structures. He didn't have the support, whereas I do. So let's access some of those structures. Let's access that support. Let's, you know, let me catch up with a mate. And instead of saying, oh, let's catch up for a beer, let's go for a hike and let's talk about life. You know, let's let's just take that layer of, you know, blokiness or chumminess away and, and be real with each other. Um, let me have a conversation with my wife where I'm not saying, you, well, you did this, this and this, and that made me feel this way. Like, let me just talk about what I'm feeling. Um, let me have a conversation with my manager about, look, this is the work that really lights me up and this is the work I can't stand. So can I focus more on this stuff than the stuff that doesn't light me up? Um, so lots of little things like that. Um, and then just getting my exercise right, getting my diet right, um, you know, um, that sort of set up a, a real foundation for me to go, there, there is a different way forward um, than what I saw in my dad. Um, and I sort, of, I sort of wish that we could have done that journey together. I sort of wish that, you know, um, when, when I first started to really acknowledge my mental illness journey that I could have gone to him and said, look, I get it. <laughs> I'm in it too. Like, talk to me about it. Um, but I never had that, the courage to do that. And, and I'd made a decision about who he was, uh, which prevented me from doing that. And, um, but I guess for me, it's about, okay, I can take what I saw in my dad, the negatives and go, I can do that differently. Um, the positives, I can do those and maybe even do those more, do those better. Um, and then there's a whole realm of other stuff that I can access and utilize and grow in and develop um, so that I can be the best dad that I can be. That's great, man. Um, I really appreciate what you're saying there. And I think as well, like, this is what's really cool too, is like you're putting, you're, you're being very intentional about your growth and your mental health and your, and, and the way that you're going to parent and the way you're going to impact your family in the future. And something that I see, I'm not going to generalize here, but I, well, something I see is that, previous generations, they didn't open up, you know, they didn't have that camaraderie um, with dad's, like with dad's group and you just catch up with other dads and share where you're at. They didn't have that. Or if they did, they just wouldn't talk about those things because again, it's the suck it up princess sort of mentality yeah. or attitude it was, was a lot of me. Again, I'm not generalizing here, but a lot of the one, um, people that I know from previous generations have really struggled with that. And, and I think that's what I love. You know, you and I get this chance every week to be able to chat. And I get to do this with a number of other dads as well. And then my, and my own local dads group. Um, and it's been so rewarding for me to be able to just get it off my chest. Mm -hmm. But even then, it's just like holding each other to account. You know, it's like, I know if I don't exercise, my mental health really struggles. 
my patience with my kids really struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, my value within myself really struggles. Like it does because I feel, you know, when I, when I become a couch potato, like I feel useless and, I, and it's, it's been a real struggle with me, especially coming out of COVID, like being in Melbourne and being in all these lockdowns and stuff, finding having purpose in that season was really hard for me to have a new group of guys that are, you know, that have got your back, that are doing that journey with you is, is just so, has been so crucial to me. And I wish my my relatives and, and family um, had that when they were growing up because I, I really wonder what it would have looked like, you know? I really wonder what their experience of, of parenthood or doing life would look like when you, when you have those relationships and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And how has that been for you? So this is your, you know, you're coming up to the one year mark of having a baby. Um, you've been a part of Dads of Ashgrove. You've, um, you know, you've had connections like ours. You've had other connections as well. What part do you feel like you, that's played on your journey? Like I've just sort of shared mine. I feel like I've just stolen that question from you anyway. But for you though, like honestly, um, what has that, how has that impacted you? Yeah, I think, again, it just comes back to connection. Um, connection is, is so important. Depression, anxiety, uh, and a lot of mental health, a lot of the roots of it is disconnection, um, a disconnect from self, a disconnect from your story, a disconnect from family, loved ones, work, the world, whatever it might be. So, you know, I think, you know, particularly in dad's group, it's the connection is easy because we know why we're coming together. <laughs> it's in the title. It's dad's group. Um, and, and so, you know, to come together, um, talking about knowing that that's that's what's on the table um it takes a layer of that that oh this is really vulnerable away because we all know that we're in the same boat um and we know that we can um talk it out um and and even just in in being part of dad's group for for longer and, and showing up more um just getting a bit more confidence to say oh hey you know john like what what's your experience with daycare? Um, what's your experience with, you know, sleeplessness or transitioning to solids? And, and so you've got that practical level, but then you can also be like, oh man, like just not getting to sleep. Um, you know, he's tripping over and face planting it everywhere and it's just stressing me out. Um, and, and, you know, someone goes, well, here's a free coffee, <laughs> you know, like even just that um, is, 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 is a stress breaker for me. So um, I think definitely that connection and um, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And, and again, to our listener, if you are a part of a dad's group, um, think of one other person that you can bring. You know, a lot of guys are still struggling with that um, I, um, that mentality of like, I could, I've got this, I can do this myself. And there's mm. so much power when you bring someone with you, you know, um, it, it, you don't have to talk to them like, oh, you need this, you need that help. It's not that at all. It's like, this is what we're about. Just come and join us, come and hang out. Um, I know for a fact in, in my local dad's group, that's been really powerful. When we bring someone, um, mm. it just helps those people get past those barriers that they might be putting up for themselves. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and we also have our digital dad's group program too. Like if you want to be a part of, this in a digital space, if you just can't get out on a weekend or whenever your dad's group, local dad's group um, meets, then join us in our digital space. Uh, mm. We're on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. And we are looking at putting in an evening one as well um, shortly and I'll update um, 
as the podcast goes and when it's released as well. But Adam, wrapping up now, mate, and this has been fantastic, dude. I love you, mate. I love these chats, dude. I just, I love you. Um, you're just authentic. You are real and you are vulnerable. And I love that. It's just so encouraging to me in my journey as well. But if you were to meet uh, a random, you don't know them, a random new or expecting dad, what is one thing that you would like to say to them? Fatherhood today is different and that's okay. And if, if I had time, I would go into, you know, you, you look back uh, in history and fathers and sons were bonded together through, through work. You know, a father imparted his trade to his son. But then you, you go through history, industrial revolution, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, over the last few hundred years, there hasn't been that, that bond. And so dads have had to be the breadwinner without that connection to family. Whereas now we're reclaiming that relationship again, that, hey, like, yeah, there's the work component and, and yes, we need to provide for family, but obviously mums are wanting to be in the workplace more and we want to support and, and empower women to, to really succeed in the workplace and not, not have that gender gap, um, which means then that the gender gap for us in terms of parenting also gets reduced. And, um, I think showing up for our kids, showing up for our family, that's okay. And in fact, it's needed and, and we're getting there in our culture. Um, we see that in dad's group. Um, the, more and more dads in, in our groups are full-time at-home dads um, or they've taken off a huge chunk of time to help out at home or they've changed their work arrangements so they have permanent days where they're looking after their kid and not having to check emails or answer the phone or whatever it might be um, and I think you know I'd say to a new dad the culture is changing and you have an opportunity to to be the dad that you want to be um, not just the dad that we're told that we have to be by you know the conditioning of society and culture around us so yeah that's awesome, mate. Um, thank you so much, dude, for coming on again. Just loved it. Love the chats, dude. It happens every week with, with us. So, uh, again, this is just an insight to for a listener on what Dad's Group's about. It's just sharing. It's doing that journey together. And Adam and I get to do that every week, and I love it. It's just an absolute honour and joy. So thanks so much for coming on, Adam. I've really enjoyed it, mate. Yeah, no, cheers. Appreciate it, Blair. It was an honour. If you guys would like, uh, have recognised within yourself that you would like help with your mental health journey, then please go to our website and click on the Get Support tab, uh, which our website is www.dadsgroup.org. Um, check that out. It's a, there's a lot of great resources on there um, from organisations like Panda, SMS for Dads and so forth. If you are feeling like you're needing more immediate help, please go see your GP, go see Beyond Blue. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there for you. Uh, don't wait, go get the help that you need. Please, if you guys would like to support um, us at Dad's Group, please remember to like, subscribe and review and please share with any dads and families that may benefit from hearing this episode today. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers.